All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we go. This is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk. We tease the guest, and the guest is here with us now. It's Arda. He's sitting right here. We were talking off air. He used some jokes up, but he's going to bring them back along. <laughs> hey, let's introduce him right now. Arda, how's it going tonight? Uh, great to be here, James and Josh. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, and uh, we were we were talking off the air about different uh, jerseys. I saw your uh, Van Riemsdyk jersey behind you, uh, and I and I was showing off what I consider to be the greatest Leafs jersey design. This beauty right here that I just finally found on eBay, uh, with the uh, with the leaf there and the old school leaf logo here in the dark blue. Uh, that's probably my favorite. I'd love to hear what other people. Uh, consider their favorites but like if you were like pick one jersey that like hits the nostalgia chord in your soul that's the one for me i like the uh the the third jersey they rocked when they had the similar logo um to the one they have now i really like that one that one really hit home where it was the white but it had that blue logo in it mm-hmm. i really like that one i always think of wade belak wearing that one for some reason yeah. it just, uh, really hits home that, that picture always goes up too josh what's your favorite you I'm a little younger than you guys, so um, I'll t- I'll take the one they're wearing now because it doesn't bring back as much as pain and suffering as the one that before this did for me. So I I, I have no problem with the one now. I don't mind the St. Patty's ones when they roll around. Um, yeah, but I have no issue with. It. I'm not I'm not a huge Jersey guy if I'm being honest. Really? Like, yeah. Ooh. No. Wow. No, I'm not. I I I. If there's a nice jersey, I'm like, oh, you know, that's that's nice. But then if there's a really ugly jersey, I'll point it out. Like that Dallas Stars glow-in-the-dark neon green one. I wasn't a fan of that. Um, if I had to pick one jersey to own, it would be the uh, – I don't even know if they actually wore it in the NHL, but it was the Mighty Ducks, like, jersey with the duck holding the hockey stick on it. I know oh, they yeah. wore it in, in the Mighty Ducks movie, but that mm-hmm. one, I get 96 and Conway on the back. That's let the let me be want. very clear. This jersey is beautiful. However, it does evoke a lot of sad memories for Leaf fans, okay? There yeah. is nothing happy about this particular jersey. Let me be very, very clear. Other than watching Le- the Leafs in your childhood or, you know, decades ago, and obviously, this is also the inspiration for the reverse retro jersey, right? That they wore yes. last year. This is the exact same thing, uh, or the 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 inspiration. But uh, but yeah, to your point, Josh, there's no like, oh man, I remember when they won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, okay. I mean, we don't have to go there. I'm just saying. Listen, nice that jersey. is anyway, trouble. Anyway. Okay, we'll, we'll cherish these new jerseys. They have, the winter classic jersey, or whatever they want to call it, the heritage classic jersey that is coming. So we'll have okay. some memories coming up for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Arda, having you on, obviously. Maybe not everybody knows who you are. Obviously, they should. But if they don't, where can we find you? Obviously, where can people see you and find more of your work when we're done here? So they can go look you up and obviously see all the awesome stuff you've done with WWE, ESPN, and across even the Weather Network. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, I'm on Twitter at Arda, at A-R-D-A. Always uh, happy to respond and chat with people on there. And yeah, I'm I'm blessed, man. I'm just really happy that uh, I'm able to contribute to the nhl on espn it's year number one of the return of the nhl to espn uh and it's been an absolute blast uh, obviously i grew up in canada so i'm very familiar with canadian hockey coverage and hockey night in canada and you know bob cole harry neal ron mclean in studio uh that you know that's the era that i grew up in and I loved it. Hockey was my number one passion growing up, and I'm just absolutely thrilled that I'm able to continue in this career doing hockey at ESPN, uh, which is the worldwide leader. And so, you know, when you combine the sport that you love the most with 
you know, a place like ESPN, uh, it's, it's, what else can I say? It's a dream come true. Well, having you on, yeah, it is awesome. I mean, we all want to live that dream. It's like having the keys. What does uh, Chris Johnson say? The keys to the toy store and getting to play with it whenever you want. So Mm -hmm. that's the awesome part about it. Um, Wanted to have you on, obviously. Lots of topics going on right now. But I always like to get someone who's kind of in the know to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. We talked about the jersey a moment ago. But I want to get your opinion on this team here. There's a lot of heartache, as Josh alluded to already, about this team, the past playoff performances, going into the bubble, that performance there. Um, As a Leaf fan, I'm looking at this season and saying, hey, this team looks different. It's doing different things. The players they brought in seem to be meshing and gelling. You see what they're trying to do in practice today. Keith said he wanted to do it all year, mixing up the lines. But from 30,000 feet with the Toronto Maple Leafs, what do you think of this team and what strides have they taken this year and what concerns may you still have with this team? So, and I want to be clear that I'm looking at it from a 30,000 foot view. I'm not covering the team on a daily basis because in my role, I'm given a game to host and then I learn as much as possible about those two teams and I've yet to do a Leaf game this season. So any Leaf game that I'm watching is just due to the fact that the Leaf game is on and I'm watching it or, uh, you know, I'm not focusing solely on the team. But when I watch them play, it does feel a little bit different. I like the addition of Michael Bunting. I think he's a great forward. I think that he plays very, very well uh, with Matthews and Marner. I think a lot of question marks are going to be what will Matthews and Marner do in the postseason? I think a lot of Leaf fans who are the most apprehensive, they're going to look at last year's production, last two years production and say, are these two players playoff caliber players are they players that can step up and produce in the playoffs like all of the top level players have in the past and I think that's the big question the big puzzle that the Leafs are looking to solve and I think that this is going to be a definite telltale year in my opinion for both of those players in the postseason I think that they have some great pieces around them I think that they've they're natural regular season producers. They're they're excellent. They're among the most elite players in the NHL. I don't think anyone is disputing that. Uh, Austin Matthews can go down in history when it's all said and done, when his career is over, as one of the best goal scorers of his generation, maybe the best and one of the best of all time if he keeps hit yeah. the trajectory that he's going on, right? But if you're a Leaf fan, that's not going to matter to you so much if this team continues to not have postseason success. And that's the big question mark. And for for me, what I always say to Leaf fans is, and I think the, the sentiment among Leaf fans is, the playoffs don't truly begin for the Leafs and Leaf fans in particular until the second round. Yeah. No, that's... And, and I think that's the big, the big, the big takeaway here is we need a... The Leafs and their fans need a series victory. And on paper, there are a lot of fantastic pieces here that should really get the job done. The big scary part of all of this is it's like if the playoffs were to start today, the Leafs are playing the lightning. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like the, the, the problem is, is that that Atlantic division is absolutely stacked to the point where the Leafs are probably, I mean, the way things look, it's very possible. The Leafs are going to end in second or third in that division. Right. Maybe if Boston catches them, they slip down to a wild card. And at that point, they'd be playing Washington, which is also a tough out. But it's very possible they're playing one of the Florida teams. Now, I hope that doesn't happen, honestly, because I want to see the Battle of Florida continue. Like from a 20,000 foot view, I would love to see those two teams play each other in the playoffs for five straight years. 
I just like the Bills and the Chiefs that we just saw in the NFL. Like I would love to see that kind of uh, rivalry brew, especially in a non-traditional hockey market. But if the Leafs end up playing Florida and or or Tampa in the first round, both of them are very very difficult, particularly against the Leafs. They they would match up very well, first line against first line, second line against second line. Like that offensive depth uh, would be very scary on both sides. But either team would match up well against the Leafs. And that's the thing. Like, first off, shout out to the greatest game of football ever played uh, that <laughs> took place yesterday. Bills Chiefs. That was Wasn't absolutely phenomenal. I'm a Bills fan. I have no issues with I have an issue with the way it ended, but I have no issue with that game. It was wildly entertaining. Um, you know, what, yeah. you know, what's funny, Josh, is that imagine the Bills are the reason the overtime rules change, like of all things. <laughs> I was and, and, well, and, and, and there's a lot of like to jump in. The Chiefs actually had the same gripe a few years ago. Actually. They did. They wanted yeah. the rule change. Yeah, they wanted the rule change. They put it to a vote. And, you know, because everybody was like, oh, Kansas City wins by favorable. It's well, uh, they wanted the same thing a few years ago. So they're on your side. They want the same thing changed. Yeah. And it's like I was seeing there's a bunch of people are going back and looking at the uh, looking at the receipts of where these teams have stood on the overtime for the last couple of years. And I saw the the Bills tick. They did a TikTok and they flipped a coin and it landed on tails. And this was like three, four five months ago. And they commented, oh, tails never fails. And the comment section was like, well, I can think of a time it did fail. So uh, there was that. But yeah, just to take yeah. it back to hockey, we got way off track there. Um, I look at this and the podcast, man, you can go anywhere you want. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Blame me I on that. I tangented all the time, so nah, it's all fine. But it, it's like that that Atlantic Division. It's so stacked because it, it, and it, I'm looking at it now. It's like it almost doesn't matter where you finish unless you're concerned about home ice, which the Leafs probably should be with the matchups they're going to want to get against these powerhouse teams. Because either way, you're playing one of Tampa, one of Boston, one of Florida, and probably if you finish in the wild card, either Carolina or Washington. None of those matchups are a walk in the park for either yeah. team. I think people are forgetting the other side of the coin here. Toronto is not going to be an easy matchup in that first round because they want something to prove and take a look at the standings. On average, they are a top seven team in the NHL this year, right? They have elite goaltending. You have a possible Vesna candidate goaltender in net with Jack Campbell. Mm -hmm. um, you know, their offense is top five in the league. Their defense is starting to come around a little bit now. So, and I think it's all in Leafs fans' heads because I'm sure if you were to ask a Carolina fan, who would you rather play in the first round? And it was like the Leafs or um, Pittsburgh. They say, oh, we'd rather play Pittsburgh because Toronto's more that high-skill, high-octane team. But then I, but then you ask a Leafs fan, it's like, oh, we want to play Arizona in the first round because we just need a cakewalk through that round. And it, it, it's in your head. And then my just to bring it back full circle, my biggest nightmare is the Toronto uh, and the Florida Panthers playing the first round because that's the two longest playoff droughts going head to head. And just I need that narrative in my life. That's one more thing I just need to defend myself online about. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll agree with you. You look at the Atlantic Division, it's a, it's a murderer's row of teams. And the big problem is the way the seeding goes now, you're losing a great team right out of the gate. So you're going to lose, whether it's Toronto, whether it's Tampa, whether it's Florida, one of those teams is going to be gone to play each other. And you listen to even Brad Marchand of the Boston Bruins, when they played Toronto a couple of years ago in the first round, they said that should be, you know, probably the conference finals. And they said that the Leafs were their toughest task going on that run that year. So I don't like the way it's set up, but if you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, you got to go out and you got to equip yourself properly. And it looks like in the Atlantic division, Florida and Tampa 
are about to start an arms race because every player that there's out there that there's interest in, one team says they're interested in, then the other team goes, hey, I'm there too. You look at Evander Kane, both Tampa and Florida were like, well, now we're in on Evander Kane because one doesn't want the other one to get the one up. So that leaves Toronto in the same position of, hey, we got to do something. And now you got rumors today that they're interested in Claude Giroux. So, and I could see Claude Giroux being moved uh, for sure by the trade deadline. He's he's the longest tenured athlete in Philadelphia sports. Uh, And, and, you know, like that's, that's impressive to think and, and not necessarily something that would jump out at you immediately. But uh, he, I mean, he's given his heart and soul to that city. And the time has come now that, you know, you get to that point in your career where you really, the only thing left for you to do is win a Stanley Cup, right? When you get to that point in your career, no one's going to blame you. I mean, I always go back to the story of Ray Bork. I think that's one of the best stories in hockey, right? My favorite part of that story, though, is everyone will point to Joe Sackick skating over, getting the Stanley Cup, passing it to Bork immediately, even before he raises it above his own head. Bork gets to raise the cup first when the Avalanche win that cup and he retires, right, triumphantly. What people may not remember is, obviously, every player gets a day with the cup. Ray Bork took it back to Boston and had a parade in Boston with the Stanley Cup, and, like, thousands of people showed up. You know what I mean? Like, that's how the revered he was. Like, imagine going and winning a Stanley Cup with another team and then coming back to, to the city and thousands of people are just going to appreciate that. They're like, it's as if, you know, it's almost the next best thing to your own team winning the Stanley Cup. So for well, Claude Giroux, you know, yeah. The, the, so for the Leafs in particular... I wouldn't be surprised if they if they stood if if they if they stand put if they stay put pardon me but if there were two areas that I would consider for leaf for the Leafs at, at least on paper I think people will point to defense and what in particular though I think a a menacing large stay at home really defensive-minded defensemen would be really, really good, especially in the top four for the Leafs. I think so that's the definite area. No Leafs, that's what we need to do right there. <laughs> then there are some options too, right? Yeah. Like Ben Sherratt's name has been uh, pushed out there. Like there, What I mean is more generally, there are defensemen available that are being spoken about uh, in terms of the trade deadline. Oh, yeah, sure. But the, the, the second thing that I wouldn't mind on the Leafs team is someone to help activate people like Matthews and Marner, like those character players that have won a Stanley Cup and they can come in and remind the room what it takes to win. I wouldn't mind a veteran like that. You know, Corey Perry. A Corey Perry type, but I think he's kind of stuck with the lightning. I mean, like for... for yeah, that's true. Corey, but yes, Josh, if there was a second Corey Perry equivalent, if you could clone Corey Perry and make Corey Perry two exact human beings... I would take one Corey Perry for the Toronto Maple Leafs, 100%. That's the kind of guy that you would want that's extremely hungry. That Like Jason Spezza is a hungry player, right? He wants to win a Stanley Cup. But it would be even better to have a fresh perspective to to come in there and and add to that. So I I would be all in on like a gritty, uh, hungry, determined veteran Maybe even one, though, that has Stanley Cup victory experience so that they know exactly what it takes to win but hasn't won in a while. Well, there's one guy that has gone the distance, hasn't won the Cup, but did it with San Jose. 
And there's a guy I've been beating the drum for the past week, and that's Joe Pavelski. Mm. Um, he's having a great season. He's a veteran guy. He's a playoff performer. He's a guy that doesn't really take any crap. He can elevate the guys around him as well. He can play up and down your lineup. That's a guy I say the least should go get. I know you'd have to find a way for Dallas to A, retain, probably do another team in there to make it a three-way trade for more retaining on the salary. But if you can get it down to two and a half million and be able to move out somebody like a Nick Ritchie, but flip it, Joe Pavelski would be huge for this team because then you also have another center option, but he can play wing. So you have all these different options now at your disposal. And if they really are playing with the fact of putting Nylander on the third line, why wouldn't you want a Pavs playing that third line center with Nylander on his flank? There you go. You have more depth throughout your lineup. And now you're having teams chase you. And that's the thought that I have for Pavelski. I'm just, I, I looked at that and said, that's the smartest move because everybody wants Klingberg out of Dallas for the Leafs. I looked at Pavelski and said, that's the next move right and he'd there. He'd be a good defenseman too. I mean, like we, we yeah. the, the, a bolstering of defense, I don't think many Leaf fans would be arguing about at all. No. So to add one more piece on the blue line, at least, I don't think too many Leaf fans would be balking at that. No, no. I made a video last week actually about the Leafs adding defense. And Sherratt was on there. Manson was on there. Braden McNabb was on there. Calvin DeHaan from Chicago was on yep. there. Mm-hmm. All guys that can play you about 20 minutes, play on the penalty kill. Because the thing that I have in my mind, when Jake Muzzin goes down, as we've seen so far, he's like the linchpin physicality player on their D. When he goes down, their D looks a lot different. So you need a player that's able yes. to fill that role. And he and- has that experience, too. He, has, he knows what it takes to win. Yeah, so if you add in one of those guys that I mentioned, then you have those, that guy to fill in that void, still play you that 20 minutes a night, and your defense doesn't really crumble like it has the past couple times in the playoffs. So that's why I think the Leafs need to add on D, but I really would like to see them add you know, either a Claude Giroux or a Pavelski up front. But like you said, they may just stand pat because they don't have a lot of picks this year. They have their first, I believe their third, I think it is. Yeah, it's, it's like their first, third, and then fifth, sixth, seventh, or something like that. So they don't they don't have a lot of wiggle room this year in the cap space, but I mean they can definitely make moves. You don't have Bredham Pridham sitting there for nothing. So they did a lot of different gymnastics last year at the deadline when they wanted somebody. So I could see them doing it again. But yeah, I look at this Toronto Maple Leafs team, Arda, and I say this they need to make some sort of move on the back end, though, because I don't think Sandine and Lilligren, as much as they want to play them and grow them, I don't think this is the season to do it where it's kind of your all or nothing. Yeah, that's the thing is that they are in that mode right now, right? I I believe that the 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 situation that the Leafs have right now is one where with the right pieces they could chase a Stanley Cup. They could contend for a Stanley Cup. They could go very deep into the playoffs, right? With with the te- with the pieces that they have now with a couple of more additions, a couple tweaks here and there, on paper, this is a team that you would say they are a cup contender. So you're right. I do believe that the, the time is now. And if that means that they have to mortgage the future just a little bit to get to that point, then that's something that Kyle Dubas and company will certainly be thinking about, probably already having those conversations. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I, no. I think that we're, we're in that mode. And, and, and quite frankly... The success is not there, but that moment has been here for a little while now, right? Like a couple years removed from Austin Matthews being selected first overall, the team has incrementally, the, 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 
the sentiment has incrementally gotten bigger yeah. and bigger. So we're getting to that point now. So the next question I want to ask you about the Toronto Maple Leafs is the goaltending situation. Obviously, we look at Mrazek over the weekend, had a good game against the Islanders, gained a little confidence from his coach and his players and his team. Uh, but the guy I want to ask about is Jack Campbell. Obviously, he needs a deal. So you look at Jack Campbell, you see what he did last year, what he's done this year. He's kind of hit a little bit of a speed wobble, but everybody does throughout a season. It's a long grind for a reason. Do you believe in the Jack Campbell we're seeing and we've seen last year? Is this for real or is this just a guy playing above his means? So I had these questions last season going into the playoffs as well. We see this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde from Jack Campbell. And let's be honest, every goaltender, every goaltender in the NHL goes through this, right? Marc-Andre yep. Fleury is going through this in Chicago. He had a stretch where it was awful times for him. And then it some days it looks like he's back to a Stanley Cup championship winning ways, right? The two things I would say, particularly about Jack Campbell, the first one directly comparing him to Flurry and other Stanley Cup winning goaltenders is sometimes you give the benefit of the doubt to goaltenders that have won a Stanley Cup. Even yep. if the numbers are a little bit worse than, say, Jack Campbell's, you still feel a little bit more confident in someone like Flurry because he's done it. And he's yep. been there before. And he even brought Vegas, helped bring Vegas to the Stanley Cup Finals in year one. Things like that, right? The optically pleasing scenarios, right? Mm -hmm. The other thing I want to mention is I think one, and, and this is a little odd to say, but I do believe this to be the case in the minds of many people. What I will say is I don't think we should be confusing kindness for weakness. And what I mean is when Jack Campbell talks about his bad games, he's always very self-depreciating, right? You He always says, I need to be better. I could have made better saves. Like he always brings it on to him. And he's such a very warm and kind person to begin with that the aura of him off the ice when he's talking to reporters and, and he, he's one of the nicest guys in the NHL. I think everyone can agree with that, right? He's an easy guy to root for. He is wonderful with the media. Uh, he's got a great personality. He's just an overall nice guy. And when things don't go so good, oftentimes people might mistake kindness for weakness right? In any situation, not just hockey. So yep. I wonder if particularly among Leaf fans, and let's be honest, this is not me talking out of school and I'm not disparaging Leaf fans at all. I grew up in Toronto. I love that city, but Leaf yeah. fans can be very difficult sometimes, right? Leaf fans are very passionate for many people in the, most people in the, in the city of Toronto, hockey's their number one concern. More specifically, the Toronto Maple Leafs are their number one concern. And yep. so when one area of the team is not performing up to the level that you want that level to be or that person to perform, you're going to look for holes. And sometimes in Jack Campbell's case, it might be you have that perception of kindness of him and his personality and you're going to, and that might be mistaken as weakness. And that can add to how you form your opinions of Jack Campbell. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that makes sense. That makes I, sense. I, I, I think that people should be, People should take that into consideration when making opinions. I think those two things come together for people to quick dismiss Jack Campbell and his long-term possibilities more quickly than, say, other goaltenders. 
Yeah. It's funny you bring up like that whole Leafs fan thing, because I said today with somebody, I was just on a phone call with them and uh, I was like, yeah, Leafs fans, you know, they're the best in the world, um, but they are the second most unreasonable fan base in the NHL. Who's who's the first? We all know who it is. It's the Montreal Canadiens. Oh, okay. 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 <laughs> okay. I just wanted to, I just wanted to hear yeah, it. Yeah, I just no. wanted to hear it. I just I wanted to hear it. I wanted to hear was... what you had to say. I that's was all? not going to say it, but you know, <laughs> they're playing right Leave now. Open to interpretation. That's what he wanted to do. Let now, everybody pins and needles thinking they're the worst. Are yeah. you are, are you saying this as a Leafs fan or are you saying this as an unbiased hockey fan? I'm saying it as an unbiased I'm, I'm saying it as an unbiased hockey fan. Oh, yeah, but uh, it's 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 <laughs> I, I believe it. I don't care if anyone can argue that with me. I have I have proof. I have proof. <laughs> I, 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 I don't discount any uh, fans' passions for the game, but I no, will say that the there, game, are the of, the there are a lot of, I mean, listen, the, 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 the thing is, is that when you have fan bases as big as Montreal and Toronto and other teams, I mean, the Rangers uh, are another example, the Blackhawks, like when you have like giant fan bases, you're going to have some bad apples, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. Well, the crazy there's thing about out. having a fan base so large too, is there's so many subsections of the fan base. You have the super positives, the super negatives. You have the people in between. You have the ones that just want to blow it up every five minutes when something goes wrong. And everybody <laughs> wants to coddle everybody. Like, oh my god, we gotta we gotta take Jack Campbell at the Red Lobster and make sure he's okay. You know, yeah. you know all those. There's all those different subsections when you have a large fan base. So you'll never get a fan base agreeing on everything across the board either. No, of course you know, not. It's always different. So that that's the fun of it, though. That's the passion of it, right? That's the reason why we're sitting here talking about it because exactly. Yeah, we enjoy it. Um. So I look at this Leafs team, and we talked about just a couple of moments ago, though. This team has a different feel. The uh, Let's just say the give-a-crap meter is definitely a lot different than it was. There's nights where it's off and not going the way that it should. But I like the additions. I like the cautious, the buntings. Uh, I like the David Camps. So obviously, I'm a big defensive kind of guy. Growing up, I like the Danny Markovs and the Uscavages and how they block shots and be fearless and all those little things to me meant a whole lot more sometimes than goal scoring because if you don't do those little things, the game can fall apart pretty quickly. So I think the Leafs added some of those. I want to see them out on defense. I want to see them just go crazy this year and win it. Because obviously, like Duba said, he's going out in a shield. He's going to win it with this core or lose it with this core. So it's going to be fun to talk about one way or another. Either they go fire in the playoffs or everybody's fired at the end of the season and we talk about that. So if if Leaf fans have the impression that this team left it all on the ice and we truly felt that if Leaf fans truly felt that, I should say, I think that even if that team lost in the first round, but they battled as hard as they could and Leaf fans truly believed that, I think that there would be disappointment, obviously, that they didn't make it. But if they fell on their shield, I think that more Leaf fans than not would be accepting of that. And they would say they battled hard. This team just wasn't there. Yeah. Especially if no if no further moves are taken. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. I wouldn't be surprised if they go with the team that they have here. Now, I, I do believe that there are active conversations. I mean, obviously, every team is having conversations, yeah. whether they're accepting phone calls or whether they're uh, or accepting uh, offers or, or flyers or, or the opposite side. But if nothing happens for the Leafs and they stay put at the trade deadline, uh, I wouldn't be surprised, but then again, uh, you know, as long as as long as the sentiment is there that they left it all out on the ice, and 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 the fans believe that, I think that it would either whatever the result is, that's 
ultimately, because there there is a long history of a sentiment of there was a time. I mean, listen, this is we don't get too far in the past, but there was a time where a Leafs, the Leafs would be taking, let's say they would be trailing two to one in the third period. And you would feel like there's no way they're getting back in this game. Right. Like oh, yeah, that, that sentiment was there for, for many, many, many years. And to your point, James, the sentiment is different now that the, 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 yeah. the, 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 this is a team that you do believe can compete in every single game. No, it is. It is a team that for me, and it's why it hurts so much for Leafs fans, because when you face the Washington Capitals with a bunch of fresh young guys, the expectations were so low. Everybody got so excited. But as soon as they did well and they went and got Patrick Marlowe, then you go sign John Tavares. The expectation bar goes like this. Sure. And now these fans won't accept anything more than a long playoff run. And I think for everybody to stay put where they are, Shanahan, Dubas, the players, whoever, I think this team needs to make it to the third round. I remember really remember last year, they lost to Varys in the first game. Matthews and Marner had one point combined in the entire series, and they still went seven games with the Stanley Cup finalists, even though they were definitely the favorite going into the series. And yes, you can point to maybe three or four egregious errors on the ice that yeah. led to goals on the other side. But still, that was a perfect storm yeah. of unfortunate sequences of events that led to the Leafs losing that series. So right? let me ask so. you this. If John Tavares does not go down in that game, do the Leafs put her together and go on a run? I think that rattled them. I don't care that they went up 3-1. I really don't think they were able to close it out. And I think there's a lot of things that Jake Muzzin goes down. You lose two key linchpins in your lineup. Yeah, that, that's the thing. You lose Jake Muzzin. You lose John Tavares. You don't get the production from Matthews and Marner that you're hoping for. And you have a couple of unfortunate turnovers at key moments, especially during overtime that lead to goals on the other end. Jack Campbell's hoping that he had a couple of those back. I mean, optically, you could parse that all you want. If John Tavares and Jake Muzzin were healthy throughout the entire series, it, it may have very, very well have been a different story. Well, the other thing too, Austin Matthews going into that playoffs with a bum wrist, right? Exactly. So it wasn't 100% either. So he wasn't able to perform at the offensive clip that he usually would. So there's another thing, but you know, you can make a whole bunch of lists, but there's, you know, Patrice Bergeron with the Boston Bruins not too long ago playing with what? Uh, collapsed lung, broken ribs, and all that stuff, you know, going through the playoffs and being an absolute warrior. Look at Shea Weber last year. You know, his career is yeah. probably done, but, you know, he went through again being a warrior. So these are things I think guys will learn as they go along. But I think at the least we're perfectly healthy, which no team ever is. But if they were able to get their complete lineup iced, I think they would have iced the Montreal Canadiens and we would have seen something different, but that's why, you know, ifs and what's in the playoffs are just crazy voodoo magic, right? It doesn't matter. You can go on a run and that's what exactly. Montreal did. Did you, did anybody have Montreal on their bingo card beating the Leafs How many? going all the way to the finals? I don't think so. Beating Vegas for that matter. Come on now. I, mean, I don't think anybody really did. Like, truthfully, honestly believed it. Like, you fill out your bracket for fun, but I don't know <laughs> if anybody truthfully, honestly believed the Canadians could make it to the cup final. And good did, on them, and they did. That's the beauty of hockey, right? That's, that's amazing. It right there. That's it, right? Well, here, let's switch gears. Obviously, we talk about the Maple Leafs. We don't have Arter for a whole lot of time, so I want to make sure we get a couple other topics in here. A team right now that is on the, uh, the downward spiral, really bad, is the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Connor <laughs> McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, you think bringing in Zach Hyman uh, would have secured things. You got Duncan Keith. Uh, you went and got Cody Cece. Um, you know, basically the Leafs defense of a couple of years ago. You had Tyson Perry on there as well. 
Uh, we can take a couple laughs at that because we've seen what it did in Toronto. Uh, but now the Edmonton Oilers are in a rock and a hard place. Holland doesn't like to fire coaches during the season. Um, and really making trades is tough. Uh, no, what does Elliot Freeman always say when you when you're or Jeff Merrick when you're doing bad? No one throws you a lifeline; they throw you anchors. So mm-hmm. right now, the Edmonton Oilers are sinking, and no one wants to save them. What do they have to do, in your opinion? Again, this is a great thing about you being able to cover so much and see so much. You know, what is your opinion on them, and what do they need to do to fix this? Goaltending, number one, uh, they need they need a better goal. They need a better goaltender situation. Uh, they. Yeah, it all starts with that, in my opinion. Uh, get get uh, someone, uh, you know, imagine a player like uh, Mark Andre Fleury playing in Edmonton, oh. or, or or someone of that level, you know, someone someone who uh, can can really produce Huso between the pipes nice. for the Edmund, for Edmonton. Yeah, Billy Huso, uh, who's playing very well for St. Louis right now. Um, the thing is, is that what's so unfortunate about this team is that you have two of the best players of our generation and, and and definitely the consensus best player of our time playing in a situation where there's no backup, right? No. Like, yeah. you, you, the, and, and unfortunately, you don't see, uh, unless you see a massive shift by the trade deadline, you just don't see the pieces coming to this team to, to make it better. I mean, uh, I think it was, uh, who was it? It might've been uh, David Amber that compared Connor McDavid to Mario Lemieux. So Lemieux missed, was it like seven of the first eight years of his career missed the playoffs. And then eventually a lot of trades were made in a different scenario. Mind you, obviously, you know, salary cap era, not salary cap era, et cetera. It was a very different mm-hmm. situation NHL back then, but then a ton of pieces came in, you know, the Brian Trottier's, et cetera, et cetera. There were just a bunch of great trades that were made. Uh, and then obviously Yager in his rookie year and first two years was dynamite as well for Rod the Penguins Francis. and Rod Francis, et cetera. There were, there were a lot of great pieces that were brought in uh, to help that Pittsburgh Penguins team come over the hump. But this is the problem is that he's uh, Connor McDavid is a franchise player no matter where he goes. And he's on a team right now that a player like that should not be struggling on a team that, or should not be on a team that is struggling this bad. It, it's just bad for the game. Connor McDavid deserves to be surrounded by a team that can help him win games and win playoff series. And unfortunately, right now, that's not necessarily happening in Edmonton. And that that's the point that I think really we, we need to... Like, here's the thing. Connor McDavid is the kind of player that can electrify... Uh, anytime he's on the ice, but yes. he can create moments that non-hockey fans will talk about. Like yep. when he skates through the entire t- New York Rangers team and scores a goal, right? The problem is, is that the conversation will often end in terms of creating hockey fans when you say, well, he's the best player in the world, but his team isn't so good and they're not going to make the playoffs. We're not going to see much of him in the playoffs, right? Like, you need to you need your best players to be on teams that are competitive, and unfortunately, that's not happening with the Edmonton Oilers right now. Well, I, I agree with that too. And like the Oilers, it can only unless they force it to get better. I can only see it getting worse because they're going to start blaming guys that haven't been blamed yet. And one of the big names I look at is Darnell Nurse. Like his contract right now, he's still on that bridge deal. I think he's only making four and a half or something like that. 
But next year when he kicks it, he's making 9.2. Well, right now he's not playing like a $9.2 million defenseman. Like he, for $9.2, you're now the second highest paid oiler on the team. So play like it. And I'm kind of concerned about that. The development of their younger guys is kind of going to start to, you know, you, you, if you develop in a losing culture where the, where the fan base, you know, isn't fully on board. I, I worry about a, a defenseman like Evan Bouchard, like their defense needs to get better as well. That, that is one of the big issues, but it's just it's going to start to be the blame game and i feel like they're going to start blaming the wrong guys because the last guys that are going to be blamed are mcdavid and drysdale in in edmonton like well, and outside. rightfully so though like at one point it, they no, were and contributing that is true. like yes. i think it's yeah. like 40 at one point in the season like 49 percent of every single goal scored by the oilers had mcdavid or drysdale as either yeah. the goal or yeah. an assist like the thing is, is like you can point to secondary offensive production. You can point to defense. You can point to goaltending. When you have that many areas that you can debate on a team. Now, listen, it's the salary cap era. Every single team is going to have some weakness somewhere. That's mm-hmm. completely understood. You can't build mega super teams as easily in this era. You just can't. No. There are restrictions, financial restrictions to prevent you from doing that. But when you have that many concerns in a wide-ranging amount of areas with those two players on your team, that certainly can be a concern, especially for Oilers fans. So then I'll ask a question about Connor McDavid then. Obviously, it was said a couple of years ago when Holland took over that there was a clock that started. Is that clock going to run out soon where Connor McDavid finally has enough? Uh, You see him wearing it. He definitely wears it. Uh, the image was passed around. I don't know if you're familiar with Frank Gallagher from Shameless, but mm. they put the picture side by side, and at the end, it's Frank Gallagher from Shameless. Oh. And the current picture mm. of Connor McDavid's beside him. They look a lot alike, you know, the same wear and tear on the face. And Connor's still a young man. I'm wondering, does it come a time where Connor McDavid finally says, "Enough's enough. I, I need to need to move on." Kind of like Ryan O'Reilly in Buffalo, where he said, "I lost the love of hockey because things couldn't be figured out." Eventually, it wears on you. Like you said, he's the best player. Yeah. But how long can you be the best player by yourself? Wins solve everything. And when you continue to lose and when you continue to not have that level of success, it certainly does wear on you. I'll give you an example. So I was covering the Devils the year that they had gone on a long drought and they finally made the playoffs. And it was in large part due to uh, the play of Taylor Hall, who ended up winning the Hart Trophy that year. Right now, he's a yep. former Edmonton player. He knew what exactly what uh, playoff droughts were all about. He had one in his own career, right? And I could see it in his eyes how when they were when the Devils were getting closer to the playoffs and when they finally got into the uh, into the postseason, you could see that rejuvenation in him because it's it 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 gave him life, like you said, and it was it was so important to him, and he was so motivated to get there. Right. And he believed in the pieces around him on that team to make the postseason. And I don't cover the Oilers every day from the press conferences that I see it. it, it, You know, there's not too many tells unless you you understand the body language. Like certainly we all saw the dry sidle clip and, you know, how frustrating that was. And 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 certainly there's that's not just frustration in the locker room maybe that's a small part of it but that's also frustration with um with with the reporter and, and the relationship there between reporter and team but 
whenever frustrations boil over, um, even if some small part due to what's happening in the locker room, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire in those particular situations. Yeah. For McDavid, if if honestly, I've heard many things from uh, he's a loyal guy. He uh, would want to make it work if it could uh, in, in one city. But it, it, there will come a time where he'll believe that, listen, I don't have too many years left. In this. I don't think we're there yet, but there will come a time for any superstar where they say, I have, don't have that many years left and I don't have many rings to show for it. So I have to go and get some and I have to go and find myself in a situation where I can really contribute and really bring a team over the hump in terms of a Stanley Cup contender. If that's not going to happen in Edmonton, that's going to happen somewhere. No, definitely. And you know what? With the Canadian media and the way things have been handled, I can see Connor going to a quiet market like in LA, like, um, you know, Florida or even Tampa. You know, I know those teams have passionate fan bases, but it's not the same as here. You know, you can walk down the street and not have to worry about being mobbed and the media is not as huge as a conglomerate that it is here or they're covering you, you know, where you go to dinner, where you walk down the street, you know, how many dogs you have, all that stuff. You know, it's not there. And he might want that quiet and that might be what's next for him. And he goes and wins a cup somewhere like that, which is unfortunate for Edmonton fans. But at the same time, if they can't build things around him, Maybe they can do something with the pieces they get for them, which will never equal up to a Connor McDavid. It'll be a very interesting next couple of years for that team, that's for sure. <laughs> well, another team that's doing interesting moves and is a really great one, actually, knocking another door down, another barrier, is the Vancouver Canucks hiring Emily Castonguay. Uh, absolutely awesome to see her apart now, the AGM of the Vancouver Canucks. Art, I want to ask you, obviously the NHL is finally, I don't know, waking up and doing the right things in some spots, I mean, we'll talk about something in just a moment about the other side of things, but this is huge. And now you see Montreal was in the same boat. They had many people on their list. Vancouver had a lot on their list. Um, now that door has come down. Now the, you know, the foot is in the door, so to speak. Do you see this being the new way that the NHL is going to go with teams? Because there is vacancy still. There's still Chicago. Mm-hmm. There's still Anaheim. And there's still a lot of people out there on lists that hey make it the opportunity i want to know for you how huge is this and how much is this now the norm where one day will just be the normal story hey this is the new gm and it is x and it's just the way the new cycle goes it's huge it's a great story everyone should be very happy that this is happening big congratulations to emily she's certainly earned it uh she was a player agent for a very long time she was alexi lafreniere's agent um and, and many others Uh, Her credentials speak for themselves. Her background speaks for itself. Uh, And the Vancouver Canucks also uh, just hired Rachel Dory for their analytics department, which was another fantastic hire. Uh, And and Rachel's an extremely bright mind. And I know that she will do extremely well with the Vancouver Canucks. And the Canucks are better off with someone like her in the organization. This is a great hire. And I want to see a point. And I believe that we will eventually get there, if not later than sooner, but we will get to a point eventually where the story isn't, hey, we uh, we hired a woman for an executive decision uh, position or we hired someone of uh, a diverse hire or whatever the case may be. We hired uh, a person of color. We hired a Muslim. We hired uh, whoever it might be, right? Eventually, it will just become commonplace. We will just report the name. Yeah. And it will just be, it, it will just be, 
whatever background, whatever belief, whatever nationality, whatever it is, it will just be, yeah, we are at a place now where we, we have understood that diversity is important, inclusion is important, and we will just simply report a story, like it'll just be commonplace. Yeah. yeah. Are we there yet? No. no. Will we get there? Yes, we will get there uh, through continued conversation and through continued moments like these, it will become normalized. I do believe that there's work to be done. I also believe that we are slowly but surely getting to that point. And today is a day that should absolutely be celebrated because now when young girls, I have a two-year-old daughter, when she becomes old enough to understand these kind of stories, maybe she will look at someone like a, a, an Emily or a, a Rachel or, or other women that are being hired in a, uh, powerful positions around the NHL, around hockey, yep. and say, that's awesome. I want to be like that person because I can see myself in that person. I can now visualize getting into that position, right? And that's part of the importance of it. I'm a very small example, but one of the reasons that I put the umlauts on my O, on the O in my last name, other than the fact that that's the way it's supposed to be in, in Turkish where my parents are from, uh, particularly when I'm hosting sports center or hockey is because I want people from similar backgrounds to me to see that and say, wow, when I see that on television, th- this guy's hosting a hockey game. I love hockey. And there's someone similar to me with my beliefs or mm-hmm. from my part of the world or my cultural background that's doing something like that. And now I can believe that it's possible for me, right? I didn't have something like that growing up. A lot of um, uh, girls in previous generations didn't have those kind of role models to that degree growing up. So it was even more of an uphill climb to believe that you could attain those kind of positions. So from that point of view, I do believe it is getting better. There's work to be done, but we are on that path. And that is very encouraging to see. No, it, it was very- awesome to see. I mean, it's a great hire too. Like you put it beautifully. I just, why not? Right. If it's the best fit for the job, who cares where you're from, what your sexuality is, what your gender is just let's hockey's for, if you want to say hockey's for everyone, it really should be. And this is a great step in the right direction. That is well, and to echo you, I have a nine-year-old and a four-year-old, so I like to be able to show them both that mm-hmm. they can do anything they want to do. There is no door that cannot be broken down, no barrier that cannot be broken. You can do whatever you want to do, and this just allows that to be more attainable. Mm-hmm. Next thing is to see someone play in the NHL. Uh, you see it in the junior ranks now happening, which is great. Um, the other thing is too, we're talking about the NHL coming forward. I really believe in my heart of hearts for the NHL to take the next steps is there, there needs to be change from the top down, uh, the way things are done, the way things are talked about, uh, the way things are moved and really to get it to a new place, to get it to where hockey actually is for everyone. I think things need to change from the top down myself. And I think it needs to be more inclusive. Um, You need to have, everyone represented and not just be a reactionary thing when something happens. It has to be proactive constantly, always proactive and always being right there for everyone to access and be a part of, because you look at what's happening right now with, you know, uh, Jordan Subban, you know, again, it's a reactive thing. You know, no one stepped up instantly and said anything. Everybody kind of reacted to it afterwards. And, you know, the NHL was slow again, getting to it. Same thing with the HDA. 
the NHL had the ball right there. They didn't even include themselves with the NHL logos or graphics or anything in what they're doing, which is, to me, bothersome. Because you're right there, you could be a part of this, and you can make that change and help, like you just said, be a part of everyone seeing the game and seeing yourself in those shoes and being able to play and be a part of it. And I just I really think the NHL needs to shake it up and do something different. We hockey at all levels. Listen, the, the, the two stories from this past week, by the way, on a week where we honored Willie O'Ree, who broke the color yes. barrier in the NHL. And also we are hot off the heels of an incredible campaign. Like you said, from the hockey diversity Alliance, the, the tape yeah. out hate campaign. And I have a couple of uh, rolls of tape there uh, that I will keep in my setup and actually a stick there as well, because it's so important to me as someone who that that campaign hit me hard, uh, and, I, and I had a chance to speak with Nazem Kadri. I, I pushed hard for Nazem Kadri to join us on the show, so we do a weekly show called The Point, uh, which is normally hosted by John Buchagross. I filled in one week, and I and I asked, like I pushed hard for Nazem Kadri to be part of the show because the the text that he receives in that video I've received many times in my career, and I'm not a hockey player. I'm right. a I'm I'm just a broadcaster, but I've yes. received that. I received that word that he sees in that text many, many times. And so that hit me very, very hard. And so it was very important to me to have a conversation with him uh, about being involved and doing the right thing and what, what allies can do uh, to help grow the game. And in the wake of all of that, we have two separate stories. Uh, one of them where suspension is, is, is levied uh, to a player that did something earlier in the month, to be fair, uh, to be clear, pardon me. Yep. And... Then uh, what happened on the ice with uh, with Jordan Subban and PK Subban amplifying it on social media and 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 we are in the middle of that right now as the ECHL investigates this, uh, et cetera. And 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 just the the thing is is that what this shows you is for all the positive that we are doing, there's still work to be done. That's yep. the thing. There's still a lot of work to be done at all levels and. What we like these conversations are very helpful. The the people that are doing great things at the grassroots level to me is extremely important. But we have to continue. We have to push. We have to fight. We have to make this as in uh, as safe a space as possible for everyone to be involved. Because these store the, the PK Subban made a very good point. If he wasn't there to amplify this story with his social media following, and I'm paraphrasing this, you should definitely okay. watch. I think it was 10 minutes of him talking about it after the game last night. The Devils posted it on social media. I highly recommend you watch it. This is Monday. Sorry, there was, we're recording this, I should mention, the 24th. Um, he basically, I'm paraphrasing, he basically said, if I didn't, you know, for every story that, you know, someone like me is bringing to light or every story in more in general that's coming to light, there are countless others that are not. Yeah. There are countless people like myself or, uh, uh, you know, any anyone who is a minority or, 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 or whatever the case may be that is receiving hate in a text message or hearing it on the ice or from the fans or something is happening to them within the organization that is uh, off, uh, not acceptable but is not being reported or being seen. Yeah. So that's one thing to understand is though it is great that we are pushing as hard as we can and, 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 and these initiatives are very important. The thing is, is that there's a lot more work to be done. Oh, yeah. that's, what, that's what I'm saying. There's so much, 
the, the needle needs to move. And I think the needle moves when you start to shake it up and change it up because you need people with fresh ideas and fresh minds to be in charge, to move the agenda forward, to keep it in the spotlight, not make it just a social media thing for the NHL with the HTA. Hey, when they were in the bubble, you know, it needs to be constant. It needs not just to be a thing that's, hey, this is great. We're going to do this for five minutes and then move on. No, it needs to be an everyday thing. It needs to be forefront. And I really don't think the NHL is serious in that and sincere in that, in my opinion. I know teams are. I know players are, um, you know, throughout. But the actual NHL itself does not seem to to grasp the whole concept, in my mind, anyways. One thing I will say is there's always room as well to like it's you see these campaigns and it's very important we should also celebrate the success stories as well and i'll I'll share one very quickly um so when i made the decision to put the uh, umlaut on my o right uh yep. there was a time where i wanted to change my name from arda to adam because i thought that it would get me more auditions and i would be accepted more and i'm glad i didn't now i'm glad i didn't back then i was scared and concerned and and whatever but i'm glad i didn't now but one success story i will share is working on a show and hockey's done this as well uh there was a new segment we were going to launch on a show that i used to host and it was called ocal news and i saw the graphics to it and it said ocal news and i was like oh this is awesome i have have a segment whatever and i wasn't even thinking of the umla it was just a regular o and i wasn't even thinking about it. i was just so happy that i had my own segment it was going to be like hockey involved in whatever it was i was awesome i was just so pumped and before we taped the segment the producers in the control room noticed it themselves and made the change before we before we uh, went to air. So what that tells me is that might sound like a very small example to people like, yeah, whatever. They changed the letter. Big deal. But actually, it was in their mind that this is something that matters and is important, not just to me, but just yeah. for, 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 for culture and for just in general is important. So they placed importance upon it so that it can be included as part of the segment. Now, to me, that is an example of uh, diversity inclusion at work. And I do believe that particularly in hockey, when we see these kind of examples, we should celebrate those as well. For, for, For all the difficult conversations that need to happen, uh, there should also be uh, hey, this is what's happening. Here's a great example of 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 the paradigm shifting of things happening that are 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 good in our game. Because at the at the end of the day, we love hockey. We want it to grow. We want it to be better, and we love it because our opinion it's the best sport on earth. So yeah. we want we just want it to flourish. No, we definitely do, and I think we are taking steps. I mean, you look at today. Um, it's almost like each team, like John Tavares for the Toronto Maple Leafs, opened his media availability talking about the Jordan Subban, you know, and wanted to make sure that he lent his support and the Toronto Maple Leafs as well. So I like that those things happen. And that's what I mean. Teams and players, they're doing their own thing, but I just wish the NHL would grasp that more and, and take that emphasis and do those little things that you just talked about, right? And make it more. I don't know. I For me, it just it's frustrating because you see – like I, I tweeted not too long ago, the ball was right there. All you had to do was pick it up and run with it. You know, you could have very easily been a part of this and been a huge part of yeah, it. Yeah, they just didn't. They nobody wants to take. I don't know. It's not even a risk. No one just wants not to take risk. the initiative. Like, just do the right thing. The thing yeah. that needs to be done. The thing that other people are doing for you. 
yeah. work with the HDA, work with these other organizations. Like I look at Black Girl Hockey Club. That's a fantastic organization. There's yeah. a bunch of other organizations who you can reach out to and say, hey, what can we do? We would like to help. Let us partner with you. I'm sure they would love to partner with the NHL as well. It's right there for them. But like you said, James, nobody wants to uh, take reach out. That is that the saying? Reach out the olive branch. Nobody seems to want to do that. Yeah, nobody seems to wants to. Uh, let's use a on WWE. the NHL on the NHL side of things. Sorry, nobody wants to grab the brass ring from the NHL side. We'll use a WWE term. Um, you know, it just. It needs to. You want to hear a funny story of uh, brass ring? By the way, when I got to WWE, that was like all the rage, grabbing the brass ring. I actually bought a ring made of brass, and I would wear it on the air, as if to say, "I reached the brass ring." Unfortunately, it didn't lead to more opportunities in WWE. I don't think they found it so funny, but I thought it was hilarious. Really, Vince McMahon's not a comedic guy who has a sense of humor. <laughs> oh, God damn it, pal! <laughs> that's such good shit um well look, i watched the pipe bomb not too long ago cm punk sitting there talking about the brass rings so i mean that was one of the uh, the iconic moments of the the brass ring pretty much going away after that because of what he said about it um arda i know you said you were very short on time so we ran you over here uh way further than we thought we would i really appreciate you jumping on we do have to have you back on hopefully maybe sure. uh, closer to the playoffs, talk more about the Leafs. And, of course, I know Josh was dying to talk WWE, so we'll have you back. Yeah, on. that'll be part two. That part two right there. Well, uh, Before we go, before we go, one WWE question. Royal Rumble sure. pick, men's and, winner, uh, men's and women's. Uh, I haven't watched in so long. I don't even know who's in the Rumble. I would. I, I love surprises at the Rumble, though. That's I want to see surprises. I want to see returns. Uh, here's a funny story about the Rumble. Edge would typically, and maybe, is, is he in the Rumble this year? He will be, uh, yeah. No, no, no. He's fighting. It's Beth oh, Phoenix and Edge versus Miz and Maurice. Oh, okay, oh, no. cool. Oh, good. good oh, for Edge and Beth Phoenix. That's awesome. Yeah. So One time thing. thing. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Edge typically had long stints in the Rumble, whether he won the match or not, because he was like the puppet master with a great memory in the ring. He told me once in an interview that because his memory was so good, he would remember other wrestlers' spots at the Royal Rumble and what was supposed to happen. So he would often be in the ring for a very long time because he'd be reminding people, hey, you need to do this. You need to go out here. You need to eliminate this person. You need to do that or this and that. Wow. So Edge was like the the puppeteer in the Royal Rumble matches. And he was like, yeah, I wish I didn't have such a good memory. Otherwise, I'd be out of the Rumble match in like two minutes. It would have been great. <laughs> it's got to be, awesome. be a physically taxing thing too to be in there yeah. that long and just messing around. Exactly. Um, but Arda, where can everyone find you? Obviously, everybody knows who you are, where you are. Sure. Uh, but just in case somebody doesn't, where can they find you on a daily basis? Yeah, on Twitter at ARDA or on Instagram at ArdaOcal. I uh, really appreciate uh, people following and messaging. I read everyone. So, uh, yeah, it's really cool that, uh, you know, what we're doing uh, really resonates with people. And, uh, and yeah, thanks for having me, boys. Really appreciate uh, jumping on. No, thanks for your time. That was awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Offside Hockey Talk, where hockey comes to talk.